You sisters know that my skin has been glowing lately. And I'm here to tell you my secret. Oak Essentials. You've heard us talk about their line of luxurious products before, and we're so excited to have them as a sponsor of OK Sister Podcast because now you can join in on the glowy goodness. You know Oak Essentials is legit because it was created by none other than our favorite brand ever, Jenny Kane. Oak Essentials is known for its simple approach to self-care with a lineup of foundational skincare staples made with high-quality ingredients that drive results. It aims to unlock healthy, glowing skin with decadent and hydrating ingredients that give you a luxe, dewy glow. I won't shut up about the Moisture Rich Balm. It's a nutrient-rich balm that supports collagen production and delivers serious hydration for a luminous glow. And a luminous glow indeed. The way my skin feels like butter after applying this balm. This balm will make you never want to wear makeup again. And you can apply generously during your night routine to lock in moisture as you dream. It's the definition of beauty sleep. Treat yourself or someone else this season. You sisters will get 15% off and a free organic honey-based restorative mask with their first order. Oh my God, what a deal. When you use code OKSIS15 at checkout. That's right. 15% off plus a gift with your first order at O-A-K-E-S-S-E-N-T-I-A-L-S.com. Promo code OKSIS15, OKAYSIS15. Go ahead and treat yourself. From luxurious skincare to meaningful self care, you deserve it. Welcome to OKSIS Podcast. Hi, sisters. I'm Maddie. And I'm Scout. And we are sisters IRL. I'm the older one. Yes, Scout. We know. Here at OKSIS, we believe women are multifaceted. Which is why you can expect sisterly banter on a wide range of topics such as pop culture, our entrepreneurial journeys, and mental health routines. We promise it'll be informative. And silly. As long as you don't get too loud, Mads. Welcome to the sisterhood. Hello. Welcome back to OKSIS Podcast. My name's Mads. My name is Scout, and we are so happy that you are here. You know what I was just watching? Um, the video of you holding Lily's hand while she at the zoo while you she's walking next to you. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> she's walking? Yeah, you haven't seen her in a while. And the transition that she has made since you saw her about six. I haven't seen her since thanks, Thanksgiving. Yeah, that's like six weeks ago. Wow. Um, She's a different baby. She's a different... She's a toddler. Yeah, I was going to say she's not a baby anymore. She's a full, full full-on toddler. she'll She'll always be baby Lily to me. Yes, but developmentally and behaviorally now, she is no longer a baby. You know, like... If she's playing with... Is she cuddling yet? She is cuddling. She's cuddling with me a little bit. Like, she'll lay on my um, lap while we watch TV for about, you know, two minutes, maybe if I'm lucky, but she's starting to cuddle. Um, but she's definitely in the next next era of her life in the sense that if she's eating something and I take it away, or if she's playing with something and I take it away, or if she's playing and I'm like, okay, we have to go now, she, she has a second or like 15 seconds where she screams and loses it. And so I'm uh, being very aware and conscious because I feel like I am in a very formative time where the way I react and respond to her emotions are going to determine 
how she emotionally relates to the world in the next couple of years. And so, yeah, it's it's been it's just been so crazy to see because, you know, Lily has historically been a very perfect baby historically historic one year is historically been a very perfect baby and she's still a perfect (laughs) toddler but there's like personality and there's wants and there's needs and the first year I totally see how it's much more okay is she hungry is she tired kind of physical needs and now we're entering okay she has emotional needs she doesn't understand why she can't play with this right now she doesn't understand why she can you know, hold this, but not that. She doesn't understand why I am whisking her off the floor to take her away to go do something. And so right now it's it's very emotionally formative at this point. Mm. I always think of to be magnetic and inner child work when I hear you talking about these things because, yeah, like you are literally responsible at this exact moment for if she like grows up fucked up or not you know what I mean which is a lot of responsibility on your shoulders I would not want to be you so here's the thing it's a spectrum and no matter how perfect you are you are going to fuck up your child in one way or another yep and I've really as someone who is very mental health psychology aware I understand that the first seven years of a child's life is the building blocks to how they will respond to challenges, to love, to relationships, to their self-esteem, et cetera, basically to everything in the outside world when they're older. So I'm taking it very seriously. And I have found that with this level of awareness that we have, while so beautiful, it can also trip a lot of parents up and it could actually backfire because if you are so obsessed with being perfect and controlling and answering the right way and doing the right thing and having everything non-toxic and blah, 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 you're actually just internalizing so much pressure and perfectionism and control that that energy ends up being transferred to the child. So I like take what I want, leave the rest, don't take it so seriously, know I'm doing my best and understanding that when she, for example, like she, other people watch her, right? And I hear sometimes other people say to her, don't cry, good girls don't cry. And yeah, like not a great, not a great sentiment, but you know what? Lily's going to go, I don't stop them because Lily's going to go out into the world and hear things. And the only thing I can control is what I say to her and how I treat her. And my job is not necessarily to provide this absolutely perfect, uh, you know, sterile environment from everything else. My job is to show her how she feels when she's with me to guide her and to give her the tools that when she goes out there and hears conflicting belief systems or someone says something mean to her or whatever, that I've given her the tools. And so... I've let up a lot of the control in the sense that I feel as if if I if I focus too much on it, I'm actually going to create a perfectionistic control freak environment that is going to backfire and fuck her up even more. And so all I know is how I can control in the situations when I'm with her. I'm grateful that she's with so many other people that love her so much, regardless of not if I agree with everything they say to her or not. And at the end of the day, what I love is Dr. Becky says it's about the repair. So if 
I say something wrong to her. Like she had a little tantrum yesterday and I know that during tantrums, you're not supposed to teach them in that moment because they can't understand. But I did like Adam and I tried to teach her in that moment. And then later we reviewed back to, you know, the Instagram that we like to follow that has all this information, big little feelings. And we're like, oops, we were teaching her during that moment. That wasn't great. We will do better next time. And it's not this huge thing of like, did I fuck her subconscious up, blah, blah, blah. It's just you work on the repair and you work on the next time. And so I mean, I mean, we talked about this in the past couple episodes, right? And it relates to us currently where when you put too much pressure on things or you act out of a place of this like desperation or survival it actually backfires you think it's productive to be like yeah this perfect not make mistakes whereas actually it tends to backfire so good learning lessons all all around you know what 100%. So anyways, I'm so excited for you to see Baby Lily this weekend. I'm excited for you to see the differences. I need a dose. I need a dose of Baby LK, like, literally injected into my veins. Like, it's... It's, it's too long this ugh, okay I'm so I'm like counting down the days I'm so excited yeah you can't go six weeks again and you're gonna have to yeah. relate to her so much differently because you can't just like grab her anymore I'm gonna grab her I don't give a shit um she will like it and I will grab her uh okay before we get into this episode I I just wanted to uh ask you because I haven't like had a moment to ask you have you seen Saltburn? No, I haven't seen Saltburn. I have heard that it's twisted, and then I definitely added it to my list. And then I then I list. Then my friend, who's also mentally ill, said she didn't see anything wrong with it and thought it was normal. And then I read a quote that said, "Art disturbs the normal and like comforts the disturbed." So, oh god, okay. I have a feeling I'm gonna find it like pretty normal. But have you seen it? What's the? I haven't even seen a trailer. I know nothing. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so I'm on a crusade um, to make sure no one watches this movie. Um, but that being said, wh- as I was thinking of that, that my crusade mission, I was also thinking that you are, yes, mentally ill and kind of fucked up. So I think you would actually find it beautiful in some really fucked up, twisted way. <laughs> but... Um, I was the same as you. Everyone kept saying, go in and it blind. Like, don't read anything. Don't look at it, anything. So I, I didn't. All I knew is that Jacob Elordi was in it. And I watched it and I posted, uh, you know, the first like, yeah, three fourths of the movie is totally fine. I was like, what's going on? Like, why is everyone talking about this? Like, I don't get it. And then there, um, you know, are some moments where you're just like, what am I watching? Why? Actually, the main question, Why? am I watching this? And then, you know, my, I, me and Benjamin started listening to some, uh, you know, movie podcasts, like, you know, snart in, you know, hoity toity, like critic movie podcasts. Cause I was like, let me see what the critics are saying. Everyone is like, what the fuck was this? Why did we need this in the world? Nothing made sense. Like is this for shock for shocks value? Like there's no purpose of this movie. Oh, I don't like that. I'm not, I'm not into shock for shock value. But I posted on my story and I was like, oh, my God, just watch Saltburn. Someone responded being like, I, I missed the person I was before I watched Saltburn. And I feel that so deeply. Like, it was the most <laughs> disturbing. But that's the thing is that everyone's talking about it. So it's like you might want to just watch it just to be in the zeitgeist. But that hasn't really ever mattered to you. So I, I don't know if you should. But 
I like my like mom asked me the other day if I should watch it and I said absolutely not but also maybe she should because she's like kind of fucked up and twisted um so maybe it is for the fucked up and twisted people and then the mentally sane like myself um that's where we find we find it insane yeah I definitely gonna watch I'm going to Arizona this week for work and so I have a night alone so maybe I'll watch oh no no (laughs) No, no. Oh, no, you're you right. No, to, should not watch things someone. alone. Nope. You, you need to be. No, no, no. It's not scary. It's not scary. It's not like horror. I just think you need to be in the presence of. You need to go on this journey with someone else with you. Like you need a support system. It is like I couldn't believe I asked uh, Brett watched it alone. I was like, Brett, we need to get you checked into a hospital. Like it's just you need to have a buddy. There's a buddy system when watching Saltburn. So it's not disturbing in, in any way. There's no like sexual weird shit. It's sec. It's all sexual weird. Okay, shit. Okay, you know me well enough to know that I should not watch sexual weird shit alone in a room. That's what I just said. That's what I just said. You need to watch it with someone. Okay, I will do that. Um, you need a chaperone. You need a chaperone to watch Saltburn. Okay. I also want to watch the movie that emma stone was in i i don't know the name yeah, poor things poor things I think something it is. because i was listening there's this new podcast i think it's called critics at large it's by the new yorker and they released mm-hmm. their end of the year episode essentially critiquing the theme of 2023 and they said it was the year of the doll and they broke down different movies that portrayed women as dolls or that there was like a doll-like fashion in the zeitgeist with all the bows. And one of the movies that they really broke down as the year of the doll was the one that Emma Stone was in. And it sounds fucked up. And so I really need to watch it. Yeah, that seems like more up your alley in terms of like fucked up in this. Um, yeah, Saltburn might not be for you. Uh, but I would really love. I honestly wanted to watch it with mom and Steven the other night for after Shabbat because I just wanted to see their reactions Chloe Feynman if you've watched Saltburn go go to Chloe Feynman's uh Instagram she posted a a video of all of her her whole family's reactions to like every of the crazy scenes in Saltburn and it is so fucking funny like and so I kind of wanted to watch it again and subject myself to it and suffer through it again just to watch mom's reaction because I really think it would have been priceless Chloe Feynman is really doing the most these days she's having she's having a major moment in my opinion she's always been having a major moment she's fantastic yeah but I really think she's really coming into her own she's carrying SNL on her fucking back that's for sure yeah that's what I mean like she's the star of SNL right now and it feels really good because I remember when she first started and now it feels as if she's a really foundational person I Adam and I are also you would really appreciate this oh maybe I don't know but we're doing a we're going through all the 90s throwback movies right now so sure We've watched she's he's all she's all that, and then we watched he's all that. Don't recommend. Wait, you di- wait, you did <laughs> with our Lord and Savior Addison Ray? Yeah, my God. Um, oh no. Yeah, no. Just no is just no. But we watched. I can't believe Adam watched that. It was it was comical. So we watched she's all that. Um, is it called Save the Last Dance? Maybe. Um, we've seen Cruel Intentions. We watched, uh, I'm forgetting now. 
Cruel and yeah, this is great. Can you give me can can you give me a list of these? Because I would like to do this. We watched American Pie last night. Oh my god, I need to watch American Pie. Yeah, Jason. I didn't realize that American Pie was Jason Biggs. You know, moment. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. Have I was wondering where Jason Biggs it? came from. <laughs> American Pie. That's where he came from. Yeah. So we're on this. We're on this. Uh, on this road right now. Oh, that's cute. That's not really nineties. That's like early 2000s. No, no. American Pie 1999, the first one. Oh, really? Okay. We started American wow. Beauty That's last fun. night, and then Adam was like, I forgot how oh, dark no. this was. I was like, yeah. No. no, I absolutely not. I don't like that. That's like rapey vibes to me. Yeah, it's a fucking good movie. We stopped it, though, like 20 minutes in because we, were, we weren't really feeling those that energy in that exact moment. Yeah, so okay. we switched. Do not watch Saltburn. Okay. Do not watch So we switched. It. Okay, I was fine with the vibes, but we, you know, the 90s, <laughs> the 90s kick that we're on, it's because it's lighthearted and it's fun. You know what I mean? So right, we sure. switched to American Pie. Did you know that oh wait, Jennifer Coolidge... Um, is the original MILF. Like, MILF came from American Pie. P- sisters are probably screaming at me right now. MILF. Oh, I didn't know, yeah, I didn't Milf, know that. Like, the, the acronym? Yeah, the acronym came from American Pie, and it was addressing uh, Jennifer Coolidge's character as the mom. She's the original MILF. How do you know that it came from there? Because it did. <laughs> okay. <laughs> How do you know that? Is, did it's, you fact check you know, that? It's like the whale's vagina. Where did that come from? Anchorman. Okay, but wh- this one time wh- at band camp, okay. American Pie. No, I know that. I know that one. I know that one. Yeah. Yeah. So I need to rewatch it. Me and Ben June, um, while we were in Sea Ranch and Carmel and driving, uh, doing our little road trip, we were listening to the big, sorry, uh, Rewatchables. The Ringer has a show called The Rewatchables, and they did one on American Pie. And so I would actually rec- I would recommend you go listen to that because it's really fun to watch a movie and then listen to the rewatchables. They do like a whole breakdown of the movie and it's like a, it's so fun. OK, so I, I was. Yeah. So I, I had just listened to that for some reason. And then but we didn't watch the movie. So I, re- I, I want to watch it. All right. Let's get into the meat and potatoes of the ep. Ever since having a baby, I've been extremely conscious about what I spend my money on and which products I use. And clothing is no different. I want my wardrobe to be sustainable, good quality, and timeless. You have to be talking about Whimsy and Row, right? Whimsy and Row is an LA grown, eco conscious brand born out of the love for cute, comfy, and classic styles. Every piece is made by women for women. Quality goods, local production, natural and organic fabrics. Yes, please give me all the linens. Just like OK Sister, Whimsy and Row is based on the idea that women are multidimensional. There's a balance of flirty feminine and minimal masculine in all of our wardrobes, and Whimsy and Row means exactly that. From special occasions to everyday effortless styles, their clothing is meant to mix and match and wear on repeat. I have been wearing their Kira pant in black linen probably three times a week. Sisters, if you've been listening to this podcast or following me on Instagram, you know that Whimsy and Rose Kira Pant in Black Linen is a sisterhood staple at this point. Founder Rachel Temko created the brand back in 2014 because she wanted to create an approachable and inclusive brand that cared for the people and the planet first. Get the full Whimsy experience IRL at their Venice location or shop online at whimsyandrow.com. Their store in Venice is so cute. I can attest. And if you're in LA, I highly recommend stopping by. They are always putting on these amazing community events. They just launched their spring summer collection and we will be living in it all summer long. 
Visit their website, whimsyandrow.com. That's W-H-I-M-S-Y-A-N-D-R-O-W.com and use code OKSISTER for 15% off. Sisters, my goal these days is to always look put together when I leave the house. Nothing over the top or super dressed up or anything like that. I just want to look put together and feel good about what I'm wearing in an effortless yet refined way. When I look at my closet every single morning and think about what I can wear that is chic and intentional, I usually end up grabbing one of my Jenny Kane sweaters and I always end up loving the way I look and the way I feel in them. You all know, sisters, that when I envision my highest self, I am wearing Jenny Kane. Their sweaters are the quintessential must-have item. I cannot stop wearing my Marina set. I throw it on and immediately feel like I'm in a Nancy Myers movie, like I could just walk on the beach in Santa Barbara. It is the coastal grandma aesthetic. My favorite Jenny Kane sweater right now is their everyday sweater in taupe. This is the definition of a staple that every woman must have in their wardrobe. Sisters, trust me on this one. I wear it with leggings, oversized jeans, and a little kitten heel or a silk maxi skirt. Legit, Mads and I are so obsessed with wearing our Johnny Kane sweaters that we've literally shown up both wearing the same sweater once. The white alpaca cocoon crew neck, which is this deliciously oversized sweater. Yeah, that moment takes the cake. Both of us walking in with our matching Jenny Kane sweaters. We're obsessed. Can't take them off. Wearing them every day. The type of staples that save your outfit. That is what I love about their entire collection. It is truly the art of simplicity. They focus on comfort, quality, and timeless design. So you can curate a wardrobe that never goes out of style. Find your new uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code OKSIS at checkout. That's 15% off your first order, J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com, promo code OKSIS. O-K-A-Y-S-I-S. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. Okay, so 16 minutes in, I thought it would be a really good idea to have an episode all about execution. We are in the new year. People are creating goals. There's an energy. People are dreaming up what this year is going to be like for them and deciding who they want to be and how they want to go about it. And I... And I don't even know if Maddie realizes this about her. That is a superpower. But I think that, not I think, I know that one of our superpowers together as sisters is that we're really good executors. And so I wanted to have an episode that just basically talked about execution, why it's important, how to execute, because I think that execution is the missing piece for so many of our unfulfilled dreams, right? We have ideas, we have game plans, we have goals, and the thing that doesn't bring those things into fruition is the execution piece. And I believe that when you start a business, it's like 101 on execution because no one is making you, there's no deadlines unless you have investors, right? And I feel as if doing OKSIS podcast, Scouts Agency, You with Camber, when Mads and I have a project that we want to bring into the world, it's it's really not a question of if it'll happen. It's a question of when and how because we just get to work immediately. And I think that it's a skill that is so underrated and underappreciated. And I think that people have a lot of trouble with this execution piece. So I wanted to have a conversation around it because I always find, and I think this is can be a little bit of a tough love harsh reality for so many people 
is that successful people or successful businesses, successful people, successful lives, whatever, it's not because they had good ideas. It's because they had good execution. And Mm -hmm. I've always gone through the world being like, ideas aren't the thing that impress me, right? Because everyone has a million dollar idea once, if not multiple, multiple, multiple times in their lives. We all have really good ideas the thing that impresses me is the people who are able to take that idea and execute it and turn it into something in their real life. And I think that that takes a level of dedication and consistency that's not often talked about. A lot of the times it's like, oh my God, that is such a good idea. No wonder you're successful. Or, oh my God, that idea was so good. You know, of course the business took off, but that's not necessarily the actual reality of what makes successful businesses and what makes goals come to fruition it is in my opinion 95% execution I would totally agree with that and you know you came to me and said you want to do a whole episode on execution and at first I was just like okay what does that mean and then I sat down and I thought okay what are my rules for execution or like what do I do when there's a new project or a new thing that's happening like what are the first steps that I take and I was yeah very delightfully um not surprised, but I, it was delightful to come up with these little, these little, um, uh, like topics to, or like advice points to, to share with the sisterhood, because I agree with you. I think a lot of people say they're going to do something or they have a goal, but they don't know how to put that into motion and they have an idea but then they get overwhelmed right by how big it is like start a business like what the fuck that is <laughs> what does that even mean like that is so overwhelming and huge and uh, I'm excited to get into this conversation do you want me to start with my first point yeah sure and then I'll tip then I'll I'll jump in after let's hear it yeah, because I, I, I think it kind of goes with that that notion so I think why why people don't execute and typically give up is because it feels too big. It feels too overwhelming. The goals, let's say the goals are lose weight or start a business or, you know, make a website, whatever the case, whatever you're like that thing. And every single person listening to this, you know, that thing, you have that thing in your mind where you're like, I know I should do this. Oh, I really want to do this. Oh, this idea is amazing, but it's it's too big. It's too much. I'm too overwhelmed. There's so much. There's so, there's too much to do. I totally get that. Like, I was paralyzed by that type of fear for a very long time. But what I've learned is that yes, have that goal, have that thing. Now, just put it away. What is the like tiniest, tiniest first step? Like literally. Think smaller and smaller and smaller. If you're thinking like, oh, uh, you know, f- uh, if you want to start, if you want to start making your website, the tiniest thing that I would do, go research uh, the different websites builders that you can do. Okay, and see. Okay, now and then that that's it. That's like the first step. And the second step is choose one of those. Like I'm talking like micro micro because what happens is when we think of things in micro chunks is that it feels attainable and it feels like we're making incremental process day over day. And that's also a huge thing is like, do not do too much all at once because one, you're going to burn out Two, it's not sustainable. And you're going to probably give up because you're gonna be like, Oh my God, it's again, getting too overwhelming. So do yourself a favor and don't make it overwhelming. How do you do that is by 
distilling it down into very micro steps. And you can write down these steps. You can make it in phases and then you can assign yourself to do one or two of those steps every single day. And then it's this exponential effect that you'll see where you're, then you look back at two months and be like, oh shit, I have the website structure already here. And now I need to find a graphic designer to help me put this, whatever the case is, you know what I mean? And you don't have to have the whole picture figured out, but you do know that like initial, initial step of what you need to do. And so that's, that would be my first uh, piece of advice. Yeah. That's a really good piece of advice. Mine's going to be almost like a tag along to that. So while you're creating those super, super micro steps, I want you to, I, I always learn this lesson over and over and over again, is to go in with a certain level around expectations. So when you're executing anything, let's just say in business, uh, I would double the time and like, like, let's say you're like, I'm going to do this for two months and see X amount of results, triple that time and say, in six months, I'll see some sort of a result. I think that a lot of people and myself included when I start new projects and the execution standpoint is that you start something and you expect results faster or you expect to feel or see or have a proof of concept or have the followers go up or the sales come in, et cetera. And I think the most... Oh yeah, expect it Expect it to be shitty in the beginning. There is a lear- There's a learning curve. There is a dip. It is, n- believe me, you are, it is not gonna be cute in the beginning. Yeah, I think actually I'm gonna take back, like if you think it'll take two months, it takes four months. I would say if you're gonna start something real, like really, really real in the sense of you're changing your whole wellness habits or you're losing... A large amount of weight or you're starting a whole new business that you want to financially sustain your life like a big goal like that I want you to give it three years three years and that level of commitment and that level of like okay I have three years to accomplish this it allows you to not give up on month three or month four when you don't see the results that technically only come after three years of consistent. So for me, before you start anything, I always, you know, what do they say? You underestimate what you can do. You overestimate what you can yeah. do in a year and you underestimate what you can do in 10 years. I say if you're executing on something large, play the long game and give yourself three years of daily committed action but don't have any expectations within those three years to necessarily receive money or the followers or whatever it is you're doing or the weight, right? Like, And it will happen over those three years. But I find that people really set themselves up for failure when they expect the results to come so much sooner. So in my opinion, put your goalpost out pretty far and you'll be pleasantly surprised, surprised, hello, pleasantly surprised when it comes in earlier. Yeah, I think that's... That reminds me of one that I I hadn't written on my list, but yes, there are metrics that you should be following and, you know, strategies to hit those metrics, but the real work and the real execution and the way that you will continue day after day, because it is all about consistency, is if you're obsessed with the why and you're obsessed with the process um, and that kind of relates back to like not having those expectations. Like, yes, of course there's metrics, there's things you need to hit, there's revenue goals, whatever. But the way that you feel good 
and motivated to come back day after day is because of this process-oriented mindset rather than the results-oriented mindset. Yeah. And when it comes to execution, motivation has nothing to do with it. Like absolutely nothing to do with it. It's all about your level. If you're waiting for motivation, you're going to be waiting forever. And if you're, yeah, it's not going to work. It's a level of commitment. Like execution and commitment go hand in hand. They are like the handshake that creates the best partnership ever. For example, sisters, like right now it's a Sunday. I have an eyebrow appointment at 345. This is the only time Mads and I could get our calendar together. So I drove to my eyebrow appointment. I'm sitting in the car recording this outside of my eyebrow appointment and then exactly at 345 I'm going to hop off and go get my eyebrows done. This is like a level of commitment, just a small level, but right? It's a level of like, okay, I will make it work and this is how we're going to get this episode out tomorrow. And it's those moments over and over and over and over and over again. They compound. I can't tell you how many times Mads and I, sorry to break it to everyone, have hopped on this mic and not wanted to do it or hasn't, it wasn't a good day or it wasn't the right timing or we had to, you know, really move shit around or make it work last minute, but we had literally never missed a week ever. And it's that level of commitment that creates successful execution. And it reminds me of my favorite quote, Scoutala. Do the next right thing. Do the next right thing. Do the next right thing. Okay. This is like execution 101, execution mantra. Get it tattooed on your butt. Oh, you can't see your butt. Get it tattooed on your forearm. Do the next right thing. That's exactly, that sums up basically everything I've been saying is like, Okay, you know intuitively you get you know what that first step is and and again, super micro and that is the next right thing. Okay, you did it. All right, what's the next right thing? That's just and you keep doing the next right things over and over and over again. It compounds and voila. You have executed. Wow, this is so interesting because this is if you actually listen to our advice separately, your advice is about how to get through the small like micro moments, right? So that it doesn't seem overwhelming. And then my advice is to is how to increase your stamina and stay in the game from a marathon perspective. Sure. Yeah. But I think they go hand in hand though. Like that oh, is yeah, you how need both. you sustain. You need both. Yeah, you need both. Um, okay, so my my next one is kind of not unconventional, but I, I just I don't hear people talking about this. I think there is, I think it's, I think the first thing you do when you're executing on something, and it doesn't matter what it is, this applies to any single project or thing in your life, goal in your life you want to achieve, is a research phase. Now, I know, Scout, you're, you might be thinking, oh, a research phase means not doing or you're not jumping in and just getting your hands dirty. And I'm not trying to say that you should take four months to research something and then decide to do it. I'm not saying that. But what I do know about myself, and this it might be relatable to some of you listening, is that what I don't know typically paralyzes me and stops me from starting something. So for instance, when I wanted to change my money mindset, what I don't know what that what does that mean? Who, who how do I do that? Like I was so lost for years and years. I didn't know the resources. I didn't know who to turn to. I, it was so overwhelming, right? But what I knew is that there were certain books out there. And what I knew, similar to what we talked about the a couple episodes ago, is um 
what you pay attention to grows. So I knew that if I immersed myself in money books that related to me, so things like You Are a Badass at Making Money that felt like very colloquial and felt like she, she was talking. I was talking to a friend about money, um, money, a love story, things like that. When you just take some time to get like a base knowledge of something, it you feel so much more confident and empowered because you – you know what to do. <laughs> like you just knowledge is power, bitches. Like, I, and so I think just take a small amount of time. I mean, even in my business, I mean, my entire business is just me researching how to do shit. Cause I have, believe me guys, I don't know how to do anything. We don't know how to do anything. That's also, I'm going to add this to my list. Execution is being comfortable with not knowing how to do anything that is the whole point of execution is because you haven't executed it yet because you don't know how to do it so just figure out how to do it how do you do that you google you read you immerse yourself you learn okay don't be afraid to learn I for so long I was like hesitant I was like oh I don't know it I must be dumb or I I don't want to be I don't want to be a beginner I don't want to be new at this and 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 stumble along the way no flip it on its head look at knowledge and expertise and resources as like growth opportunities look at them as not you as a beginner but more of you being on the path to feeling so much more confident about this subject it's also you stepping into the worth of becoming that identity right so like the money mindfulness stuff I didn't read books on it because I was like, oh, I'm too dumb to know what to do with money. I'm bad at money. You know, I'm not supposed to do it, whatever. So I'll just ignore it. And I don't want to be a beginner. It seems too difficult and hard. No. After I started reading and talking more and again, leaning into, uh, uh, what did, what did I say? Uh, the more you, the more things or what you pay attention to grows. And look at me now. Like, I feel so confident talking. Of course, I'm not an expert. Are you fucking kidding? But of I love talking about money. I feel so much more confident. I know where my money is. I, I feel empowered. I feel so much more because I took the time to research. So how do you feel about that, Scout? Because I know that you're not like a pro. You're not pro like thinking too much before doing. But I do think there is a period where you do need to immerse yourself in some sort of education about the thing and because that's typically what stops people from starting. Okay, sisters, let's talk about hair shedding. Does the craziness of everyday life leave you stressed and shedding? Since having kids, have you started seeing a little more of your scalp? Hi, I've been there. When it comes to thinning hair, there are many root causes at play and Nutrafol addresses them through a multi-targeted whole body approach. Ugh, thinning hair just isn't the vibe. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with less shedding. Amen. Everyone's root causes of hair thinning are different, so a one-size-fits-all approach to hair growth just doesn't cut it. Nutrafol has multiple formulas that are tailored to give your hair what it needs to grow through different stages, such as postpartum, like me. After I gave birth, I noticed that around the crown of my head, my hair was shedding. I've been taking Nutrafol for almost three months at this point, and I am not kidding you when my husband, my friends, my family have been commenting on how long, strong, and healthy my hair has been looking lately. 
I mean, sisters, if you've been watching OK Sister on YouTube, you've seen my hair. While many supplements rely solely on ingredient studies, Nutrafol clinically tests final formulations to ensure their efficacy. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after taking Nutrafol women's hair growth supplement for six months. I mean, 86% is a lot of women. Take their hair wellness quiz on Nutrafol.com for a personalized hair health plan based on your specific root causes. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code OKSIS. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code OKSIS. That's Nutrafol.com, promo code OKSIS. You know, it's so interesting you say this because I'm thinking about it, and I just, I just look at the research phase differently in the sense that I don't sit down and just read and research before I take action. I'm doing it simultaneously. So, and I'm, I'm curious, like I, I'm researching and listening to podcasts and educating myself on whatever it is I'm doing constantly. I mean, daily, right? The content I consume is from a podcast standpoint, typically either making me a better business owner or a better service provider or a better, you know, marketing person, salesperson, whatever. And so I'm constantly learning. I just don't really bucket it out as like a research phase before getting started. I am taking action at the same time. So I guess my research phase has always felt like action, like research feels like action to me if done properly, right? So it has to feel like action. I think there has to be an energy behind it because people can stay really stuck in the research phase. And that usually is because they're not actually taking action on that research. And so maybe check in with yourself if you're doing the research. You're like, is this, am I just researching to tell people that I'm starting something or am I actually taking action alongside this research, right? So, but w- what you said, so yeah, I mean, I do the same thing. I just do it in a different way, I think. I don't I don't think of it as research necessarily. I think of it as like, okay, who do I need to ask and what do I need to know? And, you know, how do I put all these pieces together? But I think the bigger, I think the bigger lesson though is like, don't be afraid to be a beginner, right? Because I think that's what stops, that's what stops people is they're like, oh, I, I don't know how to do this, so I just won't do it. Where it's where it's like be super comfortable with being a beginner and not knowing because that's that's where the execution start and the action can start. Yeah, I mean, 100% what I was going to say was that when I started Scott's Agency, I had never worked in a PR agency. I never worked in a client-based business before. I mean, talk about not knowing anything. And I was offering a service that was not a service, right, in other agencies. It wasn't, there was like no rule book and I had no idea what I was doing. And so I would just get these little breadcrumbs as I went along, right? Like I was out to lunch with another PR official networking and she said the word scission. And so I just wrote it down in my notepad. Turns out scission is the software that all the PR agencies use to look up journalist emails, right? Or I, Mads and I hired an agency to help us with our podcast a long time ago. And I was like, okay, I don't know what an agency is, but I know how they structured their packages with us. So maybe I'll do something similar. And so it was just finding 
all of these clues from other people to figure it out. And if there's there's two paths one can go down, right? Like someone like me could have worked in an agency for a couple years, made their way up, figured out how it goes, did trial and error on someone else's dime and then started their own, right? And that comes with a lot of pros. I decided to do the opposite and I started without any previous experience. But to do that, I had to pay the price of significantly not knowing what I was doing and failing micro ways all the time through trial and error. Yeah. But this idea that we all like most of us do not know what we're doing and it is completely possible to become an expert in this thing that you are a complete beginner in over a couple of years. Again, like give it that time to really become a master at what you're doing. Yeah. Like I think your example reminds me of Camber with events, right? So we started doing events and, you know, they started off as just community events, not just community events. I I mean, they were ways to service the community and gather the community, discover a new part of the, of the city. And every single time and every single up level we've done of events or entirely new events that we've put on that we'd never done before. Like for instance, we did a sound bath that was outside in a very busy part of the, of, of town. And, you know, I, we had never put on something to this magnitude. We are not like AV people. We don't know how to work microphones and all this. Um, so there were so many learnings of that day of, you know, different run of show operate, like how to do a run of show, how to find the AV team and, and make sure that this sounds good. And uh, like I, uh, countless things, even we, we did a rum cube, uh, game night and, at the last second, the the venue was like, oh, we we only have seating for 40 people. And this event was for 100. And I was like, oh, um, great. Uh, we need to sit down to play Rubik's Cube. So that's fabulous. And we found like very last minute, we found a rental company to come provide uh, chairs and tables for us. And it was in, you know, it was a panic moment because it was very last minute. But we we did it. We executed. And now. I'm so happy we made that mistake because now we have that vendor in our back pocket for whenever we need to get tables and chairs. So it's just, again, moment and moment, micro fail, micro fail, and then learnings and learnings. And like I I was telling Lauren as we were prepping for 2024 and and we're essentially a full blown like events production (laughs) company at this point, which I was not seeing. It was not on my bingo card, but it's like how Camber has um, unfolded. And this is what we we wanted. We were like, okay, we're going to get a lot more buttoned up with our processes. And then also, yeah, as we grow and do different types of events and do these more bespoke events, I want to have a, you know, all these vendor contacts. I want to have a vendor for florals. I want to have a vendor for photography. I want it like I want these go-tos that we can just plug and play. And that'll happen over time as we create relationships as we find new vendors that we love work with different people and again it's not all at once so like we've been doing events for two years and now I'm starting to be like okay yeah 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 we can pull this person this this whereas before it felt super overwhelming because the logistics of event planning is is a whole beast in its own so um yeah I love that the micro failings and also I think something I learned was you're not going to know it all right away, right? So every single event, I'm learning like a new piece of the puzzle. Yeah, which leads to my last insight, which is that execution is a muscle. So today I could ask Mads, you know, can we start this new project? We both agree upon it, let's say, et cetera. And I have full trust 
that Maddie will complete it to her best ability on time, etc. And I think that trust is also what I have within myself, right? Like I'm trying to say this, what I'm trying to say is that I trust myself that if I want to go after a goal, I believe that I'm the one to get it done. Like I trust that I'll get it done implicitly. And that is such such an empowering place to be. And I recognize this trait and this muscle in my sister. And so I also trust my sister. And that's how people do business with yeah, people. That's how reliable. people collaborate with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're reliable. And it's not just reliable. It's like, I know my sister's going to execute with the vision that we have, etc. Like, I only want to be around people who I really, really know are going to execute. And so if you're someone who has trust in yourself that you're like, oh, no, I, I know I'll fucking get it done. People are going to hire you. They're going to want to be around you. They're going to, your business is going to grow. You're going to collaborate. You're going to have a good reputation. And I think it is the best, single most best skill you can have in the job market as an entrepreneur, as an employee, as an entrepreneur, like whatever it is, because if you can execute, you will be okay no matter what. Like you have this incredible skill to fall back upon. And I say that execution is a muscle because I just want to take you guys back a little bit. Like, Eight years ago, I couldn't follow up on anything I put my mind to, right? I wanted to start a social media agency. I did it for two months and then it just like faded away. I wanted to do this. It faded away. I wanted to get a job. I quit in seven days, right? Like I could not hold on to a responsibility to save my life. And I was stuck in the egoic projections of I'm talented. I have good ideas. I'm a good writer, right? But without the execution standpoint, I was fucking getting nowhere. I was always at this like daydreaming about my idea situation. And it's so cool to hear Mads talk about that event because I don't think she remembers, but at our live event that we hosted for OKSIS in January 2020, our microphone wasn't working. The sound system wasn't working. Yeah, I remember. And Mads got really, really overwhelmed because this was really her first, like, you know, event situation outside of having a job, right? Like her first kind of like it was all on her and it was all on me. And I looked at her and she started to freak out. And I said, Maddie, go upstairs. I got it. Right. And I handled it. And to see that Maddie, like it's a muscle, right? Like I went from the girl who couldn't fucking follow through on anything to being in a crisis moment in that moment and saying, I got it. I can do it. And then to see how Maddie went from that moment to oh, you only have 40 chairs, right? To like handling it like a fucking boss. Like execution is not a natural thing that comes to most people. It is a muscle and anyone can strengthen that muscle. And if you can strengthen that in 2024, you are fucking golden even when shit and challenges get thrown your way. Amen. Amen, sister. Okay, go get your eyebrows done, you little slut. (laughs) What? Okay, well, that reminds me real quick because it looks like her other patient is still in the room. I can oh, see inside. Um, great. Wait. Oh, I had one last more. I had one last one then. Oh, okay. Go. Okay. My. <laughs> sorry for calling you a slut. I don't know why. I did that. <laughs> that just like came out. You're like far, far from it. Um, okay. So one last tip is create mental shortcuts for yourself. These are like little. Um, me and my co-founder Lauren were talking about this the other day. Like these are little rules, your little personal rules. Again, you don't need to share these with anyone. These are just for yourself. You know what works for you, right? So just create these mental shortcuts of um, 
you know, around the goal or the project. So for me, we are talking about, you know, I'm fine. I'm trying to find out what my what has been causing all this bloating. And so in January, I'm doing no gluten, no dairy, no uh, alcohol, no sugar. And these are the shortcuts, right? This is the literal rule I made for January for myself. So it's so easy. Like my brain is on autopilot. I do not I do not go to the grocery store and buy any of the processed things or the gluten or anything. I do not, I'm not going out to eat. Or if I am at a place to eat, I'm getting like a fruit or something. So you just create these mental shortcuts and these little rules for yourself because it so easily allows you then to just autopilot make the right decision, autopilot execute, auto, and then again, these little, little decisions, those are what compounds. So make those little rules for you, for yourself. And um, like another one for me, as I said last week, not eating past 6 p.m. And I've been super, super diligent about it, like to a degree where I went to an event that was starting at 6.30 ate before, did not eat there. It was maybe a little awkward, but I was like, no, I made this decision. This is, this was my rule. So again, it, it, it builds the trust muscle. It builds that self-discipline, but then, um, it also just helps with, with, so now you don't have to like over intellectualize things or overanalyze. You don't have to sit there being like, Oh, should I, should I, no, no, no. This is the rule. That's how I'm going to do it. Done. It's, it's, it's done. That's so good. I am not eating sugar right now. Too. I mean, it's not such a hard, steady, fast rule because it's kind of hard to like not totally eat sugar, you know. Um, but I have those mental notes, those mental like th- those rules for myself. And I went to the zoo with LK and there was cotton candy. And I said, oh, I'm going to get cotton candy today because it's the zoo and it's like a special occasion and they have cotton candy and we're at the zoo. Nah, 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 nah. And then towards the end of the day when I was like going to go get it, I said, hold up is this aligned with the woman and the person that I want to be right now? Would my, what would my higher self do? And my higher self would not eat the cotton candy. And I just said right then and there, like, that's the rule that I placed myself. I don't eat things like cotton candy, right? That's not who I am. And in that moment of like, because when we set rules for ourselves, there's always going to be that tempting voice, right? That wants us to do the opposite. It's not like you set rules and the autopilot always happens. So in those moments when it doesn't, ask yourself, what would my higher self do? What does my future self want for me in this moment? And it usually guides you back to the rule that you made because the rules that you make for yourself are typically guided by your higher self. Amen, sister. Now go get your eyebrows done, you little slut. Yeah, (laughs) she's ready. Um, Happy Mean Girls premiere, everybody. Go see Mean Girls. Go, 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 go. Oh my God, I'm seeing it this week. I'm seeing it this week. I'm so excited. So am I. I'm seeing it on Thursday. Okay, sisters, love you so much. Love you. Bye. Hey there, I'm Dr. Tracy Dalgleish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. If there's one thing I know from both my personal and clinical experience, it's that we are really good at comparing ourselves to others. We tend to get stuck in the unhelpful narratives that play on repeat in our minds, and we struggle to set boundaries and create healthy love. Each week, I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair, and being a wife, mother, and business owner to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you you change the dialogue in your life. Tune in every Thursday to I'm Not Your Shrink wherever you listen to podcasts. While I'm not your shrink, I am still human and I'm excited for us to be in our vulnerability and humanness together.